0: Welcome to No BS Engineering, the podcast for developers around the world who care about their careers. Join us as we share ideas, war stories, and talk with special guests about how developers can up their game and move their career forward. Welcome to No BS Engineering. My name's Cal Evans and I along with Mario Peshev, are your host and we've got a special guest today, Ms. Olivia Liddell. Say hi to everybody, Olivia. Hey everyone. See, they're they're tired of seeing us already. I mean, we've not even done a lot of episodes. They're tired of seeing us, but but you you are a fresh face. Hey, um, we I, I'm so glad you joined us today. Um, I, I was we were chit chit chatting earlier. Um, you, you literally are. I've got a list of um, short a short list of very smart people that I call on when I need special guests or need advice and stuff like that. And you're on that list. And so I I appreciate you. Oh. Being a part of just every every time I um, call you and say, Hey, you want to do this? You're like, Sure. So it's <laughs> wonderful to work with people that are excited about sharing.
1: Oh, thanks, Cal. Happy to be here.
0: Now, today our topic is learning how to learn. And Olivia, you're a trainer with Cloud Bakers. Why don't you give us a little bit of your background? And then we'll dive into the points.
1: Sure. Uh, So the work that I do now at Cloudbakers, I'm a technical trainer. I train our customers and users on how to get up and running with G Suite. But a lot of what I do now comes from my previous background as a public school teacher, uh, Mm -hmm. learning how to teach, but also being able to help students and learners understand what and how they're learning. So a lot of it transfers over.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Um, I've heard your, your, your backstory several times. It's always, but it's always fun. I, I enjoy it. Um, and every time you say public school teacher, I, I have flashbacks because my mother was a school teacher. And um, for a while, she was a public school teacher. So I, I, I've, I've been the child of a school teacher. I know what you have to go through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, we're talking about learning how to learn. And that's something very important to me. Um, I, I was interviewing for a job uh, three or four weeks ago. And they asked me, what's your best skill? Yeah, and I, I assume they wanted PHP or MySQL, but I said, honestly, my best skill is that I, I know how to learn new things. I mean, I, I can pick up something new. If you're using a new technology that I've not worked with, I can spend a week or two learning it and get into it and be productive very quickly. And I tell every junior developer that I talk to, I said, master this skill, because you'll switch, you'll switch languages and frameworks three, four, five times in your in your career. Yeah. But if you know how to learn, that's easy. If you don't know how to learn, you're pigeonholed. And since you're a trainer, Olivia, we, we wanted to have you on to talk to us and to teach our audience how to learn how to learn. So talk to us about how to learn.
1: Yeah, and you know, I'm really glad you mentioned the context of junior developers, because this is something that can apply to not just seniors, but especially people who are getting their feet wet and trying to figure out, well, I want to learn something. And for a lot of people that will naturally feel like I see a tutorial, let me go through these steps. And I think that a big part of this is being able to have the uh, understanding of just because you've gone through like 10 or 15 modules of a tutorial on say PHP, does that mean that you actually understand it? what have you done to pause and reflect and think, what have I created? Have I really processed this? So I think it's, uh, you know, in your example of suppose you've got two weeks to sit down and learn something, I would much rather have someone sit down and within those two weeks master, maybe only one to two, maybe uh, key things, but Mm -hmm. really know how to do them well, do them in depth, possibly even teach someone how to do those two things, Mm -hmm. than to spend that same duration of time having gone through, Fifteen things, but not really know them well. It's like uh, the 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 depth that's there. Depth versus breath, if, if you will.
0: I, I totally agree with that. And you, you've jumped into one of our, um, our, our bullet points later on. So we'll, we'll back up on that. Um, when, when I asked you to go, come on, you, you gave us um, four things you'd like to talk about. And quite honestly, I'm going to read them here like a second grader reading a new book, because I'm, I, I can pronounce the words. I'm not sure I understand the meaning. I'm hoping you're going to elaborate. Yeah. Um, the first point was uh, metacognition, thinking about thinking. Talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, so um, when I was going through my teacher training program, one of the main things they emphasize to us with with being mindful of teaching is metacognition. So imagine you've got some learners in front of you and you want them to learn and and synthesize something new. Part of it is also making sure that the learner understands not just what they're taking in, but do they understand it? How do they know when they've got it versus when they're getting stuck? Because I, I think that for anyone who's learning something, you know, you, you don't want to feel like you're failing. You don't want to feel like you don't understand it. But where metacognition comes in, probably the best way I can explain it is being able to recognize when you have your own personal signals that go up that say, yep, I got this. And this is how I know that I've got it versus like, um, let me slow down a bit, a bit. Why am I recognizing that I need to slow down versus mm-hmm. I need to stop, take a break, pause and come back. So that's going to look quite different for, for everyone. And there's no one way to say, well, you'll know that you're in the green zone if this, but really being reflective about it, pausing and not just bringing more new information in Mm -hmm. without really making sure you understand how you're thinking about it.
0: I totally agree with that. And, um, for me, um, practically this means that I can take a hello world tutorial and start putting my code into it. Um, I recently, I was playing with AWS Lambdas with PHP and I read through a great article that said, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and you get a hello world. And that's, that's great. And I got a hello world and I could sit there and go hello world and put my name in it, it would say hello Cal and all that. I don't need another hello world. But when I could then start writing my code and inserting my code into that and getting the results that I wanted from that Lambda, then that was my aha moment. The light bulb went off and I says, okay, now I got this and now I can stop treading lightly in this and I can start moving forward.
1: Exactly. Uh, this might be jumping ahead a bit to the, the part about world languages, but I think what you're saying is exactly like the difference between knowing how to look things up in a language, whether that's a program language, programming language or a world language, versus mm-hmm. knowing how to actually start thinking in that language. And that is a really key differentiator where, um, as I work with people who are telling me they're going through tutorials to learn new things, I always uh, encourage them make sure that you're not just taking in, but you're really um, relying on this metacognition to help you know that you're shifting into thinking in that language, thinking for yourself. What's difficult about it is that it's a slower process. You're not gonna get that quick win of, yay, I finished this whole course in in two weeks, look at me. Um, But for the overall picture of becoming a, a better programmer, being able to have better job prospects, You really want to be able to take a lot more time with it because Kyle, what you're mentioning about being in the context of a job interview, if and when someone asks you, how do you learn? Tell me about your learning process. I would rather have someone who comes on board saying, you know, it may take me a little bit longer, but I really am in tune with how and why I learn and that's what I can bring to this organization.
0: Totally agree, and you know I I mentioned in the beginning that um, you know I I give this advice to junior developers, but what we're talking about here applies to every phase of your development. I mean, I've seen mid-level and senior developers go out to Stack Overflow, cut some code, paste it in, it works. They don't bother to figure out why it works or what's going on. They just it works. I'm going to move on, and and you really have to understand, you, you have to move beyond that copy and paste mode and, uh, and understand what is going on to be, able to, 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 re- to be able to repeat it again without going out to Stack Overflow again and, and cutting and pasting.
1: Mm-hmm. Because then the, the, the repetition, exactly, it's key. The more that you repeat something and repeat it, but with a slightly different variance and nuance, then you're realizing that you're not just copying and pasting anymore. You're, you're more doing the, the synthesis of it yourself. And that's where you get to a different part of learning. And when that aha moment happens, it's, it's amazing. And, and that's why I always encourage the, the people that I've taught or trained, whether they're a third grader or a CEO of a company that I'm working with now, to reflect and, and really think about those moments. How did it feel when you were struggling through something? And how did you get past that? How does it feel now that you're being able to think for yourself and do this and really carry that with you for the next time that you get stuck? Because it's not an if you get stuck again, it's going to be a one and you need oh. to be able to refer back to that.
0: Absolutely. And I don't want to be a wet blanket for all the junior programmers because I program because I love making, comp- making things and programming is my outlet. Um, and when you get something working, you're going to have an endorphin rush and it's going to be awesome and you're going to be king of the world and everything that's gonna go away, you're gonna get stuck again. I, <laughs> yeah. I hate to tell you this. So you've gotta learn how to learn how to move beyond that. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk a little bit about mindsets. You, you mentioned growth versus fixed mindset. Um, how do these affect the learning process?
1: Yeah, that was something else I got through my teacher training program through uh, Carol Dweck, the the author of this really great book about mindsets. And the difference between, um, let's say, whether you or someone you're working with is feeling that when you are coming up against an obstacle, think about how you respond to that. If you feel that this obstacle that's in front of you is something that's telling you that you're a failure that you feel that you can never do it, that's more of a fixed mindset.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: the, 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 the takeaway here is to try as much as possible to shift into what's considered a growth mindset, mm-hmm. seeing an obstacle, seeing something that's a point of difficulty as a, a point of growth, as a learning opportunity. Because I can look at some code that doesn't work and think, oh goodness, I did this wrong again. I'm never gonna get it right. Uh, let me just quit. That, that's fixed. But if I look at this obstacle and think, oh, you know what? I I know it's not working right now, and because I know it's not working, I can trust that this is going to be something new that I'm going to learn from this. That's the difference when you go into a growth mindset. And it's not easy. Uh, It it really is not, especially if you're coming up against um, obstacle after obstacle. But part of going into this growth mindset is really going to be um, reflecting, looking at why you feel that you're getting stuck, and also reminding yourself of why you want to do this, like how you're saying exactly why you like um, programming things. And it's, it, it's, it may be difficult for from person to person. And that's why I encourage the people that I teach and that I train, remind yourself of why you want this. And, and that's going to help get you unstuck so that you can see this point of difficulty as, a, as an opportunity to, to learn something new that you can then teach someone else.
0: Knowing is cool sharing knowledge is even cooler in my book uncle cal's career advice for developers i share with you five of the most important pieces of career advice i've learned get your copy today by pointing a browser at bit.ly slash uncle cal i want to share this knowledge with you excellent hey mario you've not said much why don't you jump in here
2: I was actually extremely interested in the third point that Olivia brought up in uh, in the show notes essentially about using teaching as a strategy for reinforcing what you've learned and I do recall teaching was um, something that started very early in my career actually when I was just getting into programming uh, I got involved with the training academy and they kind of gave me the opportunity to become an assistant and then a kind of secondary trainer and then the, the leading trainer for a training institution, which was extremely exciting for me. And it was very, it was something that most people don't really realize, but even if you know something, even if you have the skills, it's a lot different when you have to teach other people how to do that. Because they think differently, they learn differently, they have different insights and different ways of just perceiving knowledge. As the neurolinguistic programming says, everyone has their uh, own map of reality, I think. And I think that this is something that's extremely, extremely interesting in that sense, that teaching can actually become you, uh, be, help you become a better expert. Uh, so I was curious uh, on, on kind of on that topic. What do you think about uh, kind of experienced developers, like how feasible it is for them to become mentors in order to improve their own skill set, not just help, but help themselves as well? And in addition to that, like what are the, the best tools that you like to use during your training curriculums, like the training uh, techniques, learning habits, let's say mind maps or something else?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, ooh, okay, where do I begin? Uh, I'll start with your first question about um, like the context of mentoring for, for people who are more senior. There's a conference talk I've given about mentoring. Uh, I'm actually giving it uh, again next week at the Utah PHP meetup group. I'm very excited about that. And one thing I mentioned in this, and I open it by saying, for many people who come to me to to ask about mentoring, they they want to do it, but they feel like mentoring is like the same as being someone's life coach and they have to be responsible for every aspect of this person's growth. So I like to break it down into a few different levels of scalability. Suppose you're wanting to get started with helping someone, start on Twitter. See if someone's posting a question that you can answer in in the length of a tweet and someone, you can help them get unstuck with their code or say a job interview question. Mm-hmm. Next level up when you're ready to go into paragraphs, maybe jump into Stack Overflow and see if there's a question there that you can, uh, that you can help someone else with. So you're, you're taking the same approach, but it's a little bit longer. You need to provide some more code, but it's more of what we call in teaching scaffolding. So you're starting small, working way up. Then after that, I would recommend a blog post. Because then you're not starting from a question that's already out there, perhaps you're, you as the author are posing a question that you're opening up for the audience and you're really diving into how you would answer that and then how you would help to mentor someone through that. I think that's a really good way to get started with um, this mentoring and teaching and, and writing. You can also then spin that into a conference talk and explain it that way and and i think you know really my main takeaway for people who are wanting to go from learning to teaching is to really start small because if you've never taught anyone else anything before it's really scary or intimidating to feel that you have to jump directly into speaking at a conference because you're skipping over all of those previous steps that can help you build up to uh to where you are so that, that's the thing that's so fascinating about this. Just as much as we're talking about building up little by little with learning, you almost have to do the same thing when you're building up incrementally as you're starting to develop your, um, your capacity for teaching uh, in that respect.
0: Now, Mario, you do a lot with Quora, which is similar to Stack Overflow and stuff like that. Uh, is that a platform you like?
2: Uh, Quora, Quora is a very interesting platform, and it was something that really helped me get outside of my own comfort zone. And you, cow, you know, with, especially with diving and with some other uh, kind of areas that make you feel uh, g- kind of spark humiliation of you, so to speak, uh, kind of just getting outside of your comfort zone, which is exactly what teaching is for people who haven't taught before, is definitely something that could be very, uh, very empowering and just really putting you to the ground and just saying, okay, I, I, I don't really have any experience in that matter. There's definitely something that I can contribute to. There's definitely quite a lot that I can work, uh, kind of learn in terms of principles, in best practices, in methodologies, in, in tools, in, in pretty much everything in out there. And when I'm teaching, uh, what I normally tell my students is use at least three different sources of knowledge. Like, for example, the course they attend, the one that I'm uh, kind of joining uh, and teaching, of course, uh, probably a book, probably a video training, or let's say, I don't know, a pet project, at least three different sources that... Uh, complement each other and supplement each other. And that's why I, w- I was really curious to hear from Olivia for other, again, best practices, tools, we'll or kind of paradigms that really help people grow to the next level in a very recognizable and proven model.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'm glad you mentioned like using a, a variety of resources because that's what I recommend for, for people too, uh, to be able to, let's say, sit down with a new skill that you're trying to learn, a, a new programming language you're trying to get your feet wet with uh, and really try to reflect back on this metacognition of are you someone who really is a visual learner? Do you prefer videos? Do you prefer written articles? Do you need some kind of combination? I think um, something that often happens is, you'll have people who say, oh yeah, this is the best way to learn uh, React. This is the best tutorial ever. And for, for that person, it might be. For someone else, you're thinking, oh goodness, I, I, need, like, I don't need to hear someone talking to me. I need to see clear screenshots, step-by-step doc- documentation. Yeah. But the other we side- We all
0: of- learn differently. And, wow. and we all are at different points in the learning process. So what works mm-hmm. for you might not work for me, so.
1: And you also have to be aware of when it's uh, the difference between switching to another learning resource because it's just not working for you, or if you find that you're switching to another resource, more so because you're trying to procrastinate a bit and, and <laughs> hop around. And, and there is a difference there. I will freely admit I have done that. And, oh, and yeah. so the, the learning from this really just comes from that reflection and seeing, you know, I, I, I have these 10 different resources in front of me that I could use for learning is it best for me to focus on this one and kind of go through it but if you find that you're really getting stuck there's no point and uh, and if you're getting stuck because that resource is not aligning with your own preferred learning style that's the difference between moving on versus I got stuck because this concept is confusing for me And, and that's a difference there yeah
0: I I will add one caveat to this, uh, because I've seen this happen. Uh, Actually, I've done this. Um, uh, At the very first PodCamp Nashville, um, I spoke on Podcasting 101. And I'd been podcasting for about six months. So obviously, I was an expert at podcasting at that point. And I got up and delivered the absolute worst talk I have ever delivered. I was ashamed of it. I could see people in the back you know, shaking their heads because I was actually delivering bad advice. So it's one thing for a junior to get up and say, this is what I've learned. And I love WordCamps because they have, um, I don't want to say kids, but they have uh, young people will get up and say, this is what I've learned. And I've taken away tips from those things. It's another thing for somebody who's been doing something for three weeks, four weeks, six months to get up and say, this is the right way to do it. So I, I like to t- couch when I'm teaching uh, or when I'm advising junior developers, I say, first of all, start at your local user group because you'll never have a more friendly audience. They won't sit in the back and shake their heads. They'll, they'll raise their hands and they'll politely correct you so you can get better. Um, but I also tell them, I say, couch this in. This is what I've learned. And of course, you know, the the old adage, the easiest way to um, get the correct answer on the internet is post the wrong answer. So if you you get up there and say something wrong, somebody's gonna let you know that you did it wrong. But if you're with your local user group, if you're in your community and your tribe, then that's gonna be a very, um, that's gonna be a much better experience than if you're at a conference that people have paid for and all of a sudden they realize I'm getting bad advice. They're not gonna be as kind to you. So um, dude, my, my point is just make sure that you, you couch it properly uh, when you're first. And I do this uh, a lot. Uh, you, you'll see my blog posts. Um, recently, I've been giving myself life advice. I don't expect anybody else to pay attention to that. That's, a mo- that's mainly for me. And they're usually, I did this or I learned this so that I can pick it up next time. Hey, um, you've been working on a program lately and I, I've been talking to you about it on Twitter and it sounds fascinating, but um, you, you've kind of made that into a meta topic that you wanna talk about today, um, using world language techniques to learn programming languages. Talk to us a little bit about what that means, and don't forget to mention the project that you've been working on, because that sounds fascinating.
1: Sure, thank you. Yeah, I was, I'll start by saying I was writing the follow-up to this last night and uh, thinking about why I got back into the fundamentals of JavaScript, as I've been doing lately. And I realized it was because that when I first started programming many years ago, I was doing a lot of it in isolation, adding in other pieces as I needed to, just to get a project done, without really taking the time to truly see how these different pieces connected and, and built upon each other. So I want to go back and, and relearn some things. And as part of that, I decided to bring in my Arabic skills because Arabic has rules and structure just as programming uh, needs to. And I've created this program that's called um, Triliterize. It's base, basically a way to take the three any three root letters of Arabic and combine them and see how they create different verb forms. So it's all uh, created through vanilla JavaScript, Uh, a bunch of if-else statements, um, making some modifications to uh, HTML elements in the DOM, but also needing to understand how and why I got this put together through all of this, I realized that there's a lot of similarities between the way that I've learned uh, Arabic and other world languages and the approach that I take now when uh, learning a programming language. Things like being able to recognize when the tools that you need are already right there in front of you. And in, in this blog post, one of my biggest aha moments was thinking back on the time when in an Arabic class, I didn't know a word I, was looking for, I wanted to say. So I, my instinct was to go to a dictionary and look it up. And my professor stopped me and was like, Olivia, what are you doing? And he, he tells me, everything you need is right here in, in your head. Mm. It was terrifying for me because I, was, I had never really had to think on my own in that way. I was used to, uh, from learning other languages in the past, going to the dictionary when you don't know something, looking it up. And it's not to say that doing research and looking things up is, is not uh, recommended, because that's what we've been talking about this whole time, right? But it's that difference between knowing that you're looking something up because that's the easy way out versus first taking the time to pause, reflect on what's already in front of you and see if you can put together your existing skill set in a way that can still get you to that outcome. Because uh, that has been a really big um, learning point for me. And uh, it's been really rewarding to see so many people respond positively to this and see those parallels as well.
0: Wow. Way to bring that right back around to the beginning. That was awesome. <laughs> I don't know if you planned that or what, but that was just phenomenal. Hey, I, did. Olivia, I want to thank you for being our guest today. Uh, this yeah. is Every time I talk to you, it's a learning experience. And so I know I've taken away several things and I can't wait to publish this episode and share it with everybody else. Thank you so much for taking your time to be with us here on No BS Engineering. Hey, Audience, thank you for taking your your time to listen to us or to watch us on YouTube. If you haven't yet, um, subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter. We really appreciate it. And if you subscribe in any of the podcast formats, please leave us a rating and leave us a comment. We want to hear from you. And you can find us on Twitter at no BS Engineering. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what we can do better. We'll talk to you next week right here on no BS Engineering.